Why, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, he's Steve, and we want to wish each and every one of you a happy new year in episode 302 today, January 3rd. 2022, we're going to be getting right into our topic of the day, which is our top five favorite games of 2022. And I am very excited, as is Steve, to welcome back our good old friend Brad to the show. And he too will be offering his top five favorite games of 2022 if this is your first time seeing this what we like to do is go round robin style where we start with bradley then go to steve and then i end up being the caboose on this magic carpet train of a ride and what we do is we start at our fifth favorite title and we eventually make our way up to our number one favorite game Bradley, welcome to the show once more. Let's start with you, good sir. What is your number five pick? Well, first of all, thank you for having me, Russ. Happy to be here. Happy New Year to you and the family and everybody out there in Texas. Hope you all are doing well. Yeehaw! Number five. Man, this was, I, I gotta say, I actually struggled, struggled a lot this year with my five favorite games because I don't think I played as many games this year as I normally do. So um, coming in at number five is actually a game I finished up earlier this evening called God of War, a Ragnarok. I think I may have heard of that one. Mm. Maybe. Mm. All of a sudden, Ragnarok, very popular, very popular across all media. So uh, yeah, so that came in at number five. Good follow-up to the 2018 God of War game. Mm. You know, a lot of uh, more of the same, if you will, but that's not always a bad thing. So definitely enjoyed that one. It has some issues along the way. I could do without uh, folks telling me how to solve a puzzle eight seconds into entering the room. <laughs> um, and I could also go without ever again in my life hearing, you're on fire, brother, but yeah. it'll go out. <laughs> Thank Mimir you. Namir is so helpful, isn't he? <laughs> so helpful. But uh, no, had a good time with it. The uh, story definitely picks up in the third act. Um, a couple twists, a couple turns, a couple shockers that I did not see coming. Mm. Um, I will leave it at that because I don't think either of the two of you have uh, finished the game yet, so we'll keep it spoiler free. Have you finished the game? <laughs> maybe I have, maybe I haven't. Really. Oh, <laughs> I have not. I can say straight up, I, I have not. But uh, no, you've, you've piqued my interest, Bradley. There we go. Well, that, that came in as my number five favorite game of the year. Very, very nice. Steve, you are next, good sir. What is your number five pick for Trinchy? Oh, man. I am going to say, uh, you're probably going to laugh at me, but I'm going to say Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Really? Two. Um, Bottom of the list, basically, because uh, I said it like when we were talking about the game initially, where... They were charged like 70 bucks. I'm like, you know what? They charged me 70 bucks and they only give me like a six hour campaign. It's not going to be good. And it was basically like a 10 hour campaign and that's it. Like I don't play the multiplayer. Sure. That being said though, um, you know, the game picked up from like, I think it was the the last uh, version in 2019 that was out. Um, 
and I love the characters. I love the story. I'm not a big Call of Duty guy, except for the campaign. Mm-hmm. The campaigns, I think they do a good job on when they actually you know, put some more time into like. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, except for just <laughs> basic story. But um, anyhow, I loved all the characters in it. Um, all the war heroes. Um, I love the sounds. I love the way it looked. Um, I just wish it was longer. Mm. Um, I even like the little customization parts of the game where, like, you know, you have nothing. You've been, you know, you, you escaped by the skin of your teeth. And you got to, like, make these makeshift weapons to, you know, either knock somebody out or blind somebody or distract somebody. I thought that was kind of a cool addition to the game. Um, but I want another Call of Duty like this one to come out. I just want it to be, like, 30 hours. You know, for 70 bucks, give me some more playthrough in that campaign or charge me less and just give me the campaign and don't give me you know the multiplayer because you know it's not me it is interesting how like for both of us and uh, Bradley I don't know if you if you're the same way as us but but I too like I, I will play the Call of Duty games just for the, the campaign simply because I'm terrible at the multiplayer like, like it's the weirdest thing but I I have fun playing Overwatch I have fun playing Halo there's all these other types of first person shooters that I have a good time with for whatever reason, I am terrible at the multiplayer. Um, but that is, there's something to be said for the fact that the campaign is that good. I mean, the production values are that good. And um, like like you were saying, with this particular game, they brought back like probably some of the most popular characters right. from various previous Call of Duty titles and just mashed them into this one game, which was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good voice talent in the game. I really liked it. I am surprised, Steve. I'm surprised at both of your number five picks. My number five pick is going to be a bit of a cheat. Kind of. Sort of. Starting with a cheat. Starting with a cheat. (laughs) So, I... Okay. Number five for me is Cuphead the Delicious Last Course <laughs> DLC. Normally, I wouldn't oh, give boy. a DLC like a, a, a position in the top five. But this particular DLC was so filled with like, just, I don't know the, how big of this uh, an expansion it is. Dare I say, it was almost, almost its own game apart from the original Cuphead because you had this entire new map that like they give you and you have all kinds of new boss fights. Uh, you have a brand new character that joins the team. You have different types of new weapons. I mean, like it wasn't just like, oh, here's, you know, a few things that, that you would come to expect from like a DLC drop. This was like, my goodness, like, like I said, it, it was almost, almost, not entirely its own game, but almost. Like you look at it and you're like, they really did right by the fans by this. And I also really had such a blast having you once again come over, Steve. Oh, shucks. Um, because, again, like that that's like kind of one of those like more old school ex- experiences, right? Where you could sit down with a buddy on the couch, play the game, die for two hours straight. Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and like all, like if you recall, every one of those levels that we go to where we're fighting one of those, those crazy 1920s animated bosses or whatever. They're all original. They add to what was already there. Because you and I beat the original Cuphead game. And it was like we just, we jumped right back in where we left off and we're having a blast. Like every time we got a knockout, like that was like. Knockout! Like we were hooping and hollering on the couch once more. 
again, it, it was it was I don't know, absolutely terrific. My hope is is that they will continue um, to to make like an actual like sequel sequel because I I would hate for them to actually abandon the world of Cuphead and go somewhere else simply because it's such a brilliant world. I still want like a Cuphead poster. Like, I want a big <laughs> Cuphead poster. Well, you know, Steve. I'm actually getting one. Are you? It's arriving tomorrow. Come <gasps> to think of it. No lie. What's now? I'm getting one. I actually, I'm getting two of them. Oh, uh, I might just give you one <laughs> <laughs> if you want one. I'll take a look at it. Yeah. Hmm. It's very nice. Very nice indeed. Collector's yeah. edition. Yeah. Is it of like the cups or is it of like some grandiose oh no it's boss it's and, and. so the the print is designed to look like one of those old school 1920s 1930s movie posters it has um all the heroes up there it has like the devil in the back and it has i, I can't even remember all the stuff but yeah no it's a full-on composition um so nice yes i will show it to you look forward to that bradley without a minute too soon. <laughs> what is your number four pick well, for 2022? What's funny is somebody just a moment ago, without even knowing it, spoiled my number four pick. Oh. When they said, oh, snap. Marvel Snap is number four <laughs> on my list. Uh, this is the first time ever that I've had a, a mobile game on my top five favorite games of the year. And I absolutely am addicted to this damn game. I cannot put it down. It runs fast. The games are snappy. They're not really over till the last play. The cards all do different things depending on how you match them up with other cards. I just can't wait to get back and play more because the new season just started today uh, or yesterday. So, um, yeah, number four on my list is Marvel Snap. Thoroughly impressed, thoroughly enjoying it. Uh, absolutely loving that for a moment. That is a game that I did. You know, it's funny. I downloaded it back when we, when we were watching the Game Awards because sure. I think it won Best Mobile Game of 2022 mm-hmm. at the Game Awards. And so I was like, oh, wow, I never even heard of that game. Downloaded it. And then I can't remember. There was some kind of update or something. Anyway, played it. And one of my favorite things about it is I love how they have this visual upgrade system with the cards where like when you first start out, um, you know, the the cards look very flat. They're like, you know, like those old school 90s Marvel trading cards, like the X-Men, for example. But then like as you go along and you win matches and I think you accumulate points or something like that, you level up basically is um, part of the rewards that you get is that it goes from being flat to like a 2.5D. Well, actually, no, they break through the borders of the card, which is fun. Breakthrough, Breakthrough, that's what it is. And so it's reminiscent of when you look at a comic book, sometimes you see the heroes in there, like they intentionally draw their limbs going outside of like the rectangular square frame, right? And then the next level up from that is the 2.5D where they actually separate the background from the foreground and and then the card kind of rotates and oscillates. Kind of like, you know, if you look at your iPhone, you have that setting on how like the whatever wallpaper you have in conjunction with like your foreground icons and Hmm. stuff. So it's yeah, it's definitely is it's definitely a looker. I, I will give it that, but I have hmm. not put as much time into it as Bradley. Well, and what's uh. fun is they keep dropping uh, random cards. So you know there was an Art Germ variant Carnage the other day. Ooh. I think I've got four or five different Jessica Jones cards mm-hmm. by different artists. They have an eight bit style. I mean, it's just a lot of fun 
seeing the art. And frankly, there's a lot of characters where I'm like, who is that? What are we talking about? <laughs> so you're kind of learning some Marvel uh, history and lore as you go. But behind all of that is a very quick. I mean, one of the things I love is the games run two to three minutes. So you're not having a big commitment to jump into a quick match. And, uh, you know, again, depending on the cards and the combination, you can be ahead going into turn six and then you can get absolutely smoked or it can go the other way around. So really just depends on how you lay it up and how you combine the cards. So that is my number four. Uh, With that, what about you, Steve? What do you have for number four? Four, El Numero Quattro. Oh! Um, number four took me a while to warm up to, though, Russ. I thought you were going to um, say, like, it took me a while to count up to that number. <laughs> <laughs> How many fingers do I have left <laughs> after one? Um, I'm going to say Overwatch 2, Russ. Oh! Uh, at first you didn't was, say it right. You didn't say it right. <laughs> yeah. That's eh, more. Um, so yeah, in the beginning, I was a bit turned off because I think all the pro players and all the average and all the below average, like probably me. Um, oh, whatever. <laughs> we're all mashed like together. Right? You're good at the game. What are you talking about? Good sports. Good sports. Hey, you're you're one of the, the most finest Torbjorns I've ever seen. See? Thank you. Um, but, uh, so we all got mashed together and obviously I was just turned off. Like, this is not fun. You know, some of the decisions they made in the game, uh, I, I didn't agree with, but once like the pro players put like 150 hours into the game and advanced to wherever they were going to go and left us kind of, you know, averaged in where we should be, then it was a lot more fun. And I, I actually was taking time to look at all the characters, admiring the extra detail, turning up the sound and hearing all that extra grump, sure. you know, and the thumps and the grind, and the metal and the shooting and everything else. Um, attracted some other players to, to the game that weren't, uh, you know, very interested in Overwatch 1. They're interested in Overwatch 2. So we've been having a, a, a blasty blast. Excellent. Uh, with the game and um, that that kind of um, high that you get when you do a good push with your teammates and everyone's talking with each other. Uh, and you, sometimes you don't even have to win, but, you know, of course, winning's a lot better than losing Russ, but um, <laughs> anyway, at the end of it, it's like, man, that feeling is back that, you know, it was not necessarily lost with Overwatch 1, but it was just like Overwatch 1 was kind of just showing its age. Sure. There's other games out there that I would rather play more. Now that Overwatch 2 is out, I mean, it, it's definitely um, enticed me to come back and stay a while. Mm, very nice, dude. Very stay, nice. I will. I am still surprised by both of your picks with number five and number four. <laughs> I, I keep thinking like, oh, I know he's going to pick. And then like you pick something else. I'm like, oh, mm. well then. <laughs> and I don't think we've have, yeah, so far we have not had the same game for the same number. It's getting there though, Russ. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens here. My number four pick for 2022 is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Ooh. Brad, did you ever play that game? I did. I knocked that out in a weekend. It was a good time. That was, was a, good a good time. time. Yeah, this was a game that is a love letter to one of my all-time favorite arcades from the late 80s, early 90s, which was the Konami Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arcade. Fabulous. Absolutely everything about that gaming experience um, really 
helped act as a foundation for me being in the game industry myself. There were, there are so many things that they did right regarding the controls, the moves, the music, the sound effects, the graphics. Everything was was absolutely larger than life. So Tribute Games comes along and they made this particular game that is in the spirit of that arcade. And I love everything about it. I love the fact that they chose the, the sprite approach, like like in the, the original. It's not like they went with the 3D. Although I would be curious to see like what a proper next-gen 3D TMNT game would look like. I think that would be pretty freaking sweet. But in this case, it went, they went old school. And not only that, they didn't have just the four turtles, but they also had April O'Neil, Casey Jones, and Splinter that you could play as as well. They had a story mode in addition to the arcade. And they had a bit of a kind of like a, you know, a little mini leveling up system. Like as you're going through the story and progress, you could unlock um, other types of special moves that were unique and exclusive to each one of those characters. Not only that, in terms of the sound, for example, they actually hired most of the cast from the original cartoon series of the late 80s. So like, you know, one of my favorite voice actors, Rob Paulson, you know, he was the voice of Raphael. He's playing Raphael in the game as well as everyone else. They also have Vernon and Irma, like, you know, uh, Mr. Burns or whatever. I don't think it was Mr. Burns, but basically like April O'Neil's boss. <laughs> and um, but they were all, they got all of the voice actors to come back. I don't think I think April is a slightly different person. I don't, I don't think it's the, the same voice as the original actor who, who did that. And I also think Splinter may be different. Like I would say probably like 98, 99% of the voices that you hear in the game are from the original cast, which is a huge thumbs up for me just because I have such fond memories of that cartoon. And they like really fit those characters. In addition to that too, as you're playing through the game, they have like all kinds of other characters from the cartoon series that were made into toys. Like they have the Rat King in there and they have Metalhead. Um, they have all four of the frogs, like Napoleon. I can't remember all their names, but um, they have Wingnut as one of the bosses. They have Leatherhead, the alligator. I mean, like so much. You could tell these people are were not only fans of the arcade, but they were also fans of this world that was created back in the 80s. So, and... On top of that, too, the replayability, for instance, like my daughter absolutely loves to play the game. So therefore, I just get a kick out of like being able to play a game like that with her. We've played through and beaten the game multiple times. It's a fun romp through, and that is my number four pick. Bradley, what is your number three pick for 2022? You know, my uh, my number three pick is the follow-up to the game that was my game of the year back in 2015. Oh, Rogue Legacy 2. I adored Rogue Legacy and I adore Rogue Legacy 2. It is the ultimate kind of uh, randomly generated, procedurally generated uh, roguelike game. Um, fast action. You got to be quick. You got to be paying attention. You're always getting just a little bit better. And meanwhile, they've got characters that you're choosing every time you die. You pick a descendant of the previous character, and they come with weird characteristics like colorblindness, or you might have one that's like an old-timey movie background, so you've got kind of that theme going the entire next run. And uh, yeah, that by far, I, I debated my top three games. Any one of these could have been number one. Any one of these could have been number three. 
Um, but Rogue Legacy 2 coming out early this year. Um, that was actually my most played game on the uh, on the good old Xbox this year. Oh. And carried my number three spot. I have not heard of that game. I'll yeah. have to check that out. We'll, we'll <clears throat> put, push the rock that you've been living under. No. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> no, Rogue Legacy, Rogue Legacy 2. Um, yeah, definitely a lot of fun. Not sure it's your type of game, Mr. Perkins, but uh, it is right up my alley, and I absolutely adored it. Well, you said it was a, a Rogue Light style game, right? Mm-hmm. Correct. Which you know, you there know was that, I like those. What, well, yeah, yeah, you're a big fan of those. What was the, the name of that one roguelite that was out for uh, PS5 that everybody really enjoyed? Those, I think it was last year. So there was Hades. A year Not or Hades. Two back. Um, it was the one with the, the lady, the, the female protagonist, and she was in a spacesuit, and she was, she, I think she had blonde hair, short blonde hair. What was that called? I don't know, but there's nothing better for a know. podcast than periods of pure silence. Oh, um, it's those those periods of silence. Space lady <laughs> with blonde hair. <laughs> yeah, I think she had two, like her eyes were two different colors. Oh my goodness, I'm totally seeing this game in my head. I'm sure you've played it, Bradley. Uh, I will do a little bit of looking while, uh, while we move to Steve. To talk about his next, you're not thinking. <laughs> you're not thinking Returnal, are you? Yes, that's <laughs> oh, it. Thank you. Gosh. Yeah, Returnals. That, that was that was 20, 2021, early twenty one. Okay, that one was good. That was I, I didn't love that one as much as I thought that I might. Um, yeah, I'm more of the kind of indie roguelite. Ah. Uh, Hades was one of my favorite games of the last few years. Mm. Rogue Legacy, talking about that one now. Um, we may have another one coming up on my list that may fit in that same uh, same kind of vein. But uh, yeah, Returnal was good. It had some issues when it first came out. There was You could be 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half into a run, and there was really no way to save during the run. Oh. So kind of caused problems because that was <laughs> that's th- those are those are long runs uh if you're going to take a break but <clears throat> gotcha. anyway so on that mr perkins steve perkins i gotta i gotta use first names today because there's two perkinses <laughs> um steve what do you have as your uh, number three i am gonna say my number three is going to be a plague's tale Ooh, Ooh. Requiem. that's a good one Oh, is it, Russ? I, I, uh... Approve. You know, I, uh... I I would say this is, like, the first game that I, like, took with me, like, to work in my my thoughts. Like, I want to... I gotta... How am I gonna do this differently? You know, what's gonna happen here? Did you beat that game yet? I have... Actually, I have not beat it yet. But you Um, got pretty far. I have gotten far. I know you're farther than I am. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I didn't expect to like the game. Um, I never gave the first one a shot. It just really didn't suit my fancy. I'm like, eh, you know, kind of whatever. It didn't look bad, but I just didn't really, you know, give it a shot. I should have, I guess, because mm-hmm. I really like this one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of like you're a character that's not strong. You're like very, very average and normal person, and you're just trying to survive. And surviving basically means it could just be escaping. 
Mm. Right? It doesn't have doesn't mean killing everything and everybody. It just means like don't make noise or you know don't get noticed. Sure. Or, and it's a different kind of suspense in that way because I have nothing but a slingshot to protect myself, and the people I'm fighting against are fully armored. Right? Um, and you're. You're, there's a plague going on that you can't control, and it's a different type of intensity than, it is. than what I'm used to. Um, and the game is just gorgeous. I mean, it, yeah, it's super linear, but at the same time, like they want you to see yeah. what they want to show you. Yeah. And I'm not running through the game. I'm appreciating it like art. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, I think the actors uh, did a great job with their with their lines. I don't think their lines are corny. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm really enjoying it. Right on. I really am. I'm glad that made your uh, your top five there. Man, I forgot about that uh, particular title there. I, yeah. I was thinking that before, and then he's kind of passed down my mind. That's really good, Steve. Excellent so, choice. I, I have to throw this out because it's making me laugh. Luckily, I was on mute. About <laughs> four years ago when the first one came out, I put it on my top five list, and you guys were both like, huh, never heard of that. What's that game? <laughs> What is that one? Huh? And I'm like, no, it's really cool. Like, he plays this girl, and you've got a slingshot, and you're just trying to escape, and your mom, your dad, that. So just making me laugh here that you're playing the new one. And I, I have not had a chance to play it yet, but I will. Uh, I did enjoy the first, so I'll definitely be checking that out. Well, and one of the strengths about having you on this particular episode, Brad, is you you have such like like this wealth of different games that Steve and I have not Well, I would say maybe like roughly 50% of the games that, that you do talk about, we have played, but then there's, there are an awful lot of other games that you have played that we haven't. And that's part of what makes this so interesting and fun is, is being able to think back on like that situation that you just talked about. Cause I've, I've been playing the same uh, plague's tale requiem. I love the game too. Like I have not beaten the game. I have a whole like pile of games. I'm still trying to get through and beat, but from what I have played, like, I can see why you brought that original title up because if, I mean, like Steve was saying, it is a beautiful game. It's, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a looker. Um, the, the voice acting is, is terrific. Like I'm buying into the world and what's going on and the, the gameplay, like Steve was saying, it has a very unique, um, like kind of suspenseful type of approach to things. I'm very much in the, can we just say like the rats look awesome? <laughs> Like the particle system they made of the rats, I was floored. I was watching that. I was like, my gosh, like I kind of almost want to get captured by the rats just so I could see them up close. You die, Russ. (laughs) The screen fades out and you don't really see the rats. And you die. But no, we are are always uh, very curious to know what games you've been up to playing, Bradley, in that regard. Uh, Whose turn? Is it my turn? Your turn. My... Darn. Okay, so my number two and my number three pick were kind of going back and forth. I'm not going to tell you which is my number two at this point in time, but I decided to settle on what my number three pick is, and that is God of War Ragnarok. Oh, now full disclosure: I have not beaten the game yet. I've been making my way through it. I I was playing it last night actually, and uh, just having a lot of fun with it. The game, as been mentioned earlier, is a wonderful sequel to, I think it was 2018's efforts that came out. I love how they decided to, to continue with where the story left off in, in the previous title. 
the graphics, of course, I mean, it's, it's no surprise. The graphics are absolutely beautiful. Benchmark quality. You know, Sony Santa Monica Studios is one of the, the crown jewels in, in the, the Sony crown. And you can see it in this game where you have these pre-existing characters that are fun and interesting. And, and then they start introducing some newer characters into it as well. The, the storytelling is probably one of, you know, dare I say, I, I would go so far as to say, I think the, the storytelling of this game is probably the strongest out of all the ones um, in my lineup. And really, like when I think of like, you know, 2022, it just has a certain immersive quality where like, you can tell the people who they hired. I mean, they hired like some actual Hollywood actors for some of the roles. Like I know Thor, I can't remember his name, but he, he's been in several TV shows. Ryan Hurst. Thank you, sir. That's Ryan Hurst. I, I watched him in Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. Um, and again, having that caliber of acting in your game is gold because then you get those scenes that just... I don't know. Like, like I'm, I'm riveted. Every time when all of a sudden, like, like I no longer have control over Kratos and he's walking and then we go into cinematic mode, I'm like, okay, bust out the popcorn. What's going on? <laughs> um, I love how they inject humor into the game as well where, like, you know, Kratos is so stoic and so intense and, he, you know, he's a man of war, right? But they found ways to inject really good humor, especially when he's around the dwarves. But that, along with the relationship with the sun, anyway... I still have certain types of issues with the game, such as the fact that there's no jump. Like, I I do not- <laughs> I could just get over that blade of grass so I can get that <laughs> legendary chest, I swear. Yeah, exactly. That That's, yeah, pretty much what it is where like you can tell that they just, you know, that they're continuing down this path of, we want to do set dressing everywhere to make it look as beautiful as possible, but then you can't interact with it. And so then there there is this very clear and present limitation as to where you can and can't go and I don't know like like there are certain things like that that um, yeah, I would say ding it a little bit but in terms of like the puzzles uh, and the the combat that sort of thing it is a lot of fun I don't necessarily think that this title is revolutionary so much as I think it's evolutionary and hopefully that makes sense but like basically like the, the game before this, I think, was revolutionary in its approach with all the different things they did. This game is simply taking that and running with it and then, you know, giving it the next gen bump. That sort of thing. So, there's my number three. Yeah. Toss the ice axe to Bradley. <laughs> Let me freeze it for you real quick, Brad. <laughs> Throw it over to you. Number two for Bradley, what could it be? What could it be? What could it be? See, it's funny. I don't know that you guys have played anything other than uh, God of War that I had on my list. So number oh. two for me is going to come in with good old Vampire Survivors. Oh, I've heard of this game. Yes, because I freaking told you about it like a week ago when we talked, Mr. Perkins. Come on. Um, I, I, I still heard it. <laughs> I promise I was listening to you when we were talking. Anyway, I was. Uh, so this one kind of came out of nowhere. I, I heard about it from a couple different uh, podcasts and different folks talking about it. It was pretty popular online. It was actually Steam's number one streamed game for like three weeks in a row. And then it showed up on the Xbox, and I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's like three bucks. I guess I'll check it out. Um, 
I had so much fun with this game. And it, it basically, it's almost the exact opposite of God of War, which God of War, you're like, I've got these, you know, different weapons. And if I push this button combined with this button and I'm at this distance, it'll do this. Vampire Survivors, literally all you do is you use the left thumbstick to control your character. You're picking up weapons as you go through these levels and there are just hordes upon hordes of enemies coming at you and the different combinations that you get of the weapons and the ways you evolve them uh, determine how long you live. And if you make it for 30 minutes, then death comes for you. And then as you keep playing the game, you realize, wait, wait, wait a second. I might actually be able to beat death if I have the right build as I go into it. And um, yeah, quick, you know, 30 minute uh, runs as you get good at the game. There's like 129 different unlocks or achievements, or maybe it's 118. And so I found myself constantly going back saying, okay, next time I'm gonna use the farting dog and he's gotta make it to level 80 in order to unlock the blah, blah, blah. And so you find different ways to play this, this relatively simple game, but it challenges you every time and the different weapons that you find and the way that you build out your character, every run feels like a completely new game. Um, so for something that's relatively quote unquote simple, um, I had so much fun with Vampire Survivors this year. And it's one, you know, they just dropped, uh, what, early December, they dropped the first um, DLC. So I will be going back and spending more time with that one. But coming in at number two for me is Vampire Survivors. Now, this is the, the retro looking isometric mm -hmm. game, right? Very much, yeah. So it's kind of an overhead view. It uh, looks like a 16-bit game. Yeah. And it's got a lot of throwbacks to good old Castlevania. Um, <clears throat> you know, a lot of the characters kind of reference um, different pop culture things throughout time. Um, so, yeah. Is the controls similar to, like, Smash TV? Remember that arcade where, like, yeah. it was kind of isometric and you had one joystick that would control where you moved and then the other joystick controlled where you fired? I'm going to make this even simpler. In Vampire Survivors, all you do is move. That's wow. it. So your weapons fire automatically. Uh, oh. It, it just kind of goes. But So you've got to kind of plan that as well because there are some weapons that are kind of area of attack uh, or area of effect. So you're like, okay, well, I want to make sure I get the garlic if I can because the garlic is going to kind of ward stuff off that's close to me. Well, now that I've got the garlic, I want to get the axe because that'll go north-south. And then, okay, now that I've got that, I really don't need this other one. So you've got to make sure you build it out so that way you're attacking in all the different directions at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a lot It's a lot more strategy than you would think when you look at it. You know, the first time I looked at it, I'm like, what is this? Why is everybody so, like, hyped on this game? But once you get in and you've played it a few times, you're like, Okay, I get it. I know what's drawing people into this one. Um, but uh, yeah, literally, other than selecting the items that you want, you know, you have to push the A button to uh, select the items you want when you get an upgrade. It's just using the left thumbstick to control your character. That's I'm going to try that out because I've seen <clears throat> on some of the, the video game review sites, I love playing footsie with you under the table, oh, Steve. Say. Sorry about that. Uh, but no, I, I, <laughs> Hello. I've seen accolades being thrown at this game uh, from a number of different places like Game Informer and IGN mm -hmm. and whatnot. So I'm going to need, you said it's on all the consoles or? I, I'm playing it on Xbox. They just dropped an iOS version. Um, 
yeah, you won't have trouble finding it. I don't know if it's on Game Pass or not. I think I paid three bucks for it, something like that. On, oh, wow. Uh, so it's on cheap. Xbox. It's a cheapie. It's a cheapie. It's cheap enough for you, Steve. Oh. <laughs> I stick it down to 99 cents, right? <laughs> and then it'll be okay. So what is your number two pick there, Steve? Oh. Number two for me is going to be a little Elden Ring. No way. Elder Ring is your number two. Number two. That's probably the game I've played the most this year. Number Um, two. Number two. Number two? Number two, Russ. Numero dos? That's right. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I did not like this game in the beginning. Mm. Um, If you remember, it was a game like we were talking about. Like, we kind of had to play it because... Everybody else was talking about it. We're like, all right, we'll get this thing. And I started playing like at 1130 at night. I'm kind of starting to pass out. I just kept on walking off a cliff and walking off a cliff. And I woke up like, oh, I should walk someplace else. And I stood up over a cliff, you know. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, I don't even know why. I'm dying everywhere. Yeah. Like, I can't get experience. Nothing's happening. And then everything just kind of clicked. Everything fell together. And um, I, I, this is like the first game where... Uh, I don't know. It's like it, it, it treats you like a man in a way. Like, <laughs> I don't know how else to really put it. Like, you know, everything in the game tells you to rage quit. And this one tells you dying is part of life. Uh-huh. And <laughs> that's how it's going to be. No one's going to be an expert at this game until they're, they're like nine games in. Yeah. Um, and so don't feel bad. This is how it's designed. And I don't know what they do. But I have spent so much time dying and getting up and dusting myself off and trying again, thinking about what I'm doing wrong, thinking about what I'm doing right, trying to change it up and loving a lot of it, mostly because of how epic everything looks, Um, mostly just the bosses, right? I think what really, I was thinking about this, Russ. Oh. I, did, I, did, I did give it a couple thoughts. The reason why it's not number one for me is that there, there's too much like, well, there's like actually a couple things. There's too much secretive story. Oh. I remember talking about this with yes. Big Baby Moose, where I'm like, <clears throat> you're looking, you have to go buy books and do all this research about the lore and then like, oh, connect the dots this way. Oh no, connect the dots that way. Maybe if you connect it, and it's still like unclear. So all this extra stuff you have to do to like uncover the story. I'm like, just tell me what you want to tell me. And then then there got to be a point where like uh, the game would get harder Mm -hmm. after you've beaten and do, you know, new game plus and, and, you know, so on and so forth. But your strengths would only go to a certain level. And I would think like, okay, if I just want to like get to be Mr. Big Buff Rough and stuff and do like no magic, I should be able to you know, increase my level beyond 99. Like, nope, we're not going to do it. I thought, okay, well, that's limiting how much I really want to play the game, honestly. Um, And at the end of the game, I really didn't feel like I won anything or I conquered. I just felt like, okay, I won, time to move on. I'm like, what did I actually win? It didn't feel like... There wasn't like a satisfactory ending. Not, it it just didn't feel satisfied. Yes, that's right. The biggest part of that of the game is that it really just changed my perspective on um, 
knowing what my little character can do, not just in this game, but like in every game. Mm -hmm. And so other games that I played, I'm like, oh man, that dude's really big. I'm gonna get my butt kicked here. <laughs> I'm like, no, what? No, I'm gonna take my little wooden dagger. I'm gonna charge in there and do whatever it is I can. If I die, then I die and I'll dust myself off and try again and try again and try again. So that, all that rush makes it or excuse me, I'm sorry. <laughs> Number two. Which way are we counting? I don't even it. know anymore. Oh. <laughs> number two. I number am shocked. Dose. I totally thought that was going to be your number one. Mm. Number two. Now you got me. <clears throat> you yeah. had my, my curiosity. Now you have my attention. Mm. My number two pick is Horizon Forbidden West. I knew that was coming. This, if you recall, Steve, I don't. Uh, and Bradley as well. This uh, is a sequel to my favorite game. I want to say it was back in 2017 is when the first game came out. It was either 2017 or 2018, but I want to say 2017. One of the teams. Anyway, uh, that was my my game of, uh, of the year for that particular time And so I've been waiting all this time for the sequel to come out. And I'm so thrilled that we finally get to play it in uh, 2022. I remember when I was playing the first game, how there were a myriad of different things that I thought were groundbreaking and very enjoyable about the game. But there were also other aspects that I found to have issues that were kind of more kind of nitpicks that I had, such as the water, for example, in the first game didn't match up in terms of the visual bar of quality to the rest of the world the interactions that you have with the characters, like when you have like little um, storytelling, narrative, cinematic moments, they had this software that, that they were using where the computer, like the, the game itself basically would, would at random put together like a procedural number of different types of body movements. But the problem is, is that it didn't actually correspond correctly to like the subtle nuances of a sentence or an emotion that was being evoked by the character. And so they ended up looking rather discombobulated. So those were a couple of, of examples of the first game where I was like, man, if they could just improve upon that, that would really improve the game overall. And I was thrilled to play this game and see that those two examples in addition to some others were in fact improved. I mean, the water in this game is absolutely beautiful. I... Mm -hmm. I honestly struggle to think of another game that has water as good as, as what I see in Horizon Zero Dawn. You know, God of War Ragnarok has um, some beautiful water, but honestly, I think the, the water in Horizon Forbidden West looks better, and they have much more different varieties of water that, oh, by the way, you can interact with. And that's a big deal, is that in this game, um, I found myself being drawn more into the story, and the story was a unique challenge unto itself, because in the first Horizon Zero Dawn game, the story was one of the strongest components of the game in its entirety. Like, as you play along, and especially as you have all these different plot twists, it was absolutely just riveting to see what was happening. And so, you know, by the time you get to the end, you are completely satisfied. As a gamer, you love this journey you've gone on, you love how it ends, and you can't wait to see what happens. So then, that almost becomes a problem for the developer because you've put together this insane surprise aha moment plot twist of a story in the first game. How do you continue on from there? 
I do think that there are a number of different things that they've done where um, it has been also really fun. They have been able to incorporate additional plot twists in this, in this particular story. I don't think the story is uh, quite as strong as the first game. Mm -hmm. And I kind of expected that. The other thing too, is that the ending uh, was disappointing. (laughs) And that was surprising because, you know, the game was was just trotting along like like you're going through and you're, you are finding out other things and you're like, oh, my gosh, like this happens and this exists and this is going on. And then you get to the end you're, and you're just kind of like, why did they choose that? Like, that's such <laughs> a head scratcher of an ending. Anyway, I don't want to like you know, beat that dead horse too much. But that was one of the things that like I was I was considering in this. But looking, I mean, you look at Aloy, you look at how she runs through this environment. The inv- I mean, the foliage is, I can't believe they crammed that much detail into the, the, the graphics. Not to mention the fact that the combat, while familiar from the first game, they, they um, included several additional brand new machines that you have to fight. You also can... Um, tame, I guess you could say, or hack into a bunch of additional new machines as well, which is great because in the first game, you were kind of limited. I think you could really only ride, for instance, like one or maybe two machines. And this one, you can ride probably about five different machines and they all have their own kind of characteristics and that sort of thing. So anyway, I could talk on and on about the game, but um, you know, that, that and God of War were kind of going back and forth because both are exceptional titles, but I just felt as though that even though I, I think God of War Ragnarok overall has a bit of a stronger story presentation than Horizon Forbidden West, just the fact that I can traverse anywhere, it's an open world game in Horizon Forbidden West, as well as all of the improvements that I commented on from the first game that have in fact been addressed by the game developers, that gets a big thumbs up for me. So that is, in fact, my number two. So what I heard is if uh, if Kratos could jump, then God <laughs> of War would be your number one with a bullet. I mean, it wouldn't even Oof. be close. You, it, it's one of those funny situations where the, the, the game's greatest strength of God of War is also its greatest weakness because you can tell, like, they... I liken God of War as basically like a Disney ride. Like when you go to say, for instance, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, Rise of the Resistance, and you're going through the whole experience, it's absolutely phenomenal, but you can only walk here or there. You can't go, uh, 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 you can't go over there. (laughs) You know, they feed you, they funnel you through this idealized world of what they want you to see. And that makes for a great experience. But at the same time in a game world, it feels limiting. Yeah, there's later on in God of War, there are some true open world areas. One of them, I do have to say, it was kind of interesting because you could totally, completely miss it if you weren't doing some of the side quests. Um, And it's a weird side quest about following a pig that takes you to this this huge (laughs) open world area in God of War. And I, I... running through there and I was like an hour, hour and a half in. I'm like, oh my God, how many people miss this? Because they're like, I got better things to do. The end of the world is coming. Why would I follow a damn pig? Um, but uh, yeah, no, I, I hear you. I hear you on on Horizon. Very good, Bradley. And I can't believe it. We're already at our number one, which I, I literally, I have no idea what Bradley's number one is or what your number one 
is, Steve? I think you do, Russ. I was going to say, I I don't. Think, I, Russ, if you sit back, I think you can figure out Steve's. I don't think either of you in a million years would guess mine, even if you had a list of all of the games that came <clears> out on the year. So, probably not. I um, haven't been able to guess any of yours, Brad. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- this one, you know, it's funny because I think early this year, maybe January, February, I uh, was talking to Russ and I said, man, I, I think I may have already found my game of the year. And sure enough, here we are in January 2023. Uh, my game of the year came out in January of 2022, and it is Nobody Saves the World from Drinkbox Studios. Uh, this is my favorite game of the year. It is a overhead, top-down perspective action role-playing game with kind of a cheeky sense of humor, if you will. And basically, you are a nobody. You're kind of this formless uh, uh, being that's just just trying to save the world. And throughout the adventure, you gain the power to transform into 18 different types of characters from really messed up looking mermaids and bunnies to (laughs) strongmen to knights to horses. And every one of the characters that you transform into has a really cool progression um, kind of system that you go through where as you use different powers, you gain experience and then those powers evolve. And so you've got these 18 different forms that you're using and each one of them do different things. And it's kind of a top-down, think of like Zelda meets Final Fantasy Tactics, Guacamelee type. I mean, it, it kind of plays in that world. And I had so much fun playing this game. I maxed out every level on all 18 forms that nobody can transform into, uh, played through the game, played through New Game Plus, found all the little secrets that were hiding out there. Wow. Uh, So when it comes to favorite game of the year, uh, I really debated, but at the end of the day, when I looked at my list and the one that made me smile the most was Nobody Saves the World. Uh, And that was my number one. Which system is this for? Uh, it's on everything, but I played it on Xbox Series okay. X. Nice. I'll have to check that out. So, Mr. Uh, Mr. Steve Perkins, is there a Ragnarok you would like to talk about as your number one? There is, Brad. The one game we all agree on on our list somewhere, Russ. Uh-huh. And Brad uh-huh. is Ragnarok. Wait, 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 wait. I thought you listed Ragnarok as like your number four. I just, no. <laughs> what? What it was, was my number four? five, Russ. My number four was Overwatch Dose. Oh, wait, wait, Brad, yours yours was number five was uh, God of War Ragnarok? Correct, correct. Who's on first, Russ? I don't know. What's on second? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, <laughs> everything everybody has said about the game so far mm-hmm. is true. Uh, I mean, it's laughably linear. Like, there's a part where you have to use something to guide you to somewhere else. Only, like, there's only one path to take to get there. So it's like the whole reason why that, that you're using something to guide... It, it's just dumb, really, mm. right? Um, and yes, Mimir, like, you, you're dying and you're on fire. Like, oh, brother, you're on fire. Like, all, a lot of that stuff is just useless. However, it is kind of funny and it's not like... Atreus yelling at you being like eight years old. Dad, we're dying. We need you. Like, shut up. I knew why Kratos was so angry in the first game. Um, 
anyhow, um, but the things that I didn't care for on the first game or the last game, um, basically how Kratos is so one-dimensional. Like he can't hardly show love to Atreus, yeah. his son. Like he's so just bent on on throwing you know the ashes off the top of the cliff. Um, it's almost like Atreus is this ball and chain. I know it's supposed to be tough love, but to me it just felt like you're a ball and chain. You're in the way. I got to drag you along sort of thing. And it, it just kind of felt just a little bit too rough mm. around the edges, right? Um, but this one, it, it just, it, it definitely felt the most epic to play. Um, and, it, and, and yes, there were parts of Elden Ring where I was like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely gorgeous. And I'm like taking pictures of my phone of like my TV screen, right? What's there? But this one, like almost everything was beautiful. Like when you go to Sindri's house and you just see like the reflections on like the, the tile and the marble or you see the light pouring through and reflecting off the stone and the ice. I mean, it was phenomenally, you know, beautiful. I, and I felt like all the, the actors from Sindri to Brock to, to Kratos to Atreus to Faye, Everybody took a step up in their game mm -hmm. and acted, and um, I mean, I was like glued to my screen. I mean, I, I I didn't get to everything. There's just there's just some secret stuff that like that's similar to the the Valkyries in the first game, and I didn't get there. I really wanted to beat the game back before tonight. Sure. Um, I tried to do as much as I could, and um, I'm not as strong as you can get in the game but I tried to do as much as I could. And I mean, there was plenty of surprises. The story had me just by the ghoulies. The game <laughs> truly is like, it has the best story and the best story presentation right. of 2022. So to me, that was honestly the most memorable. Um, honestly, of course, when the game came out a lot later this year, so I didn't have as much playtime as like Elden Ring, but like this one's gonna stay with me, I think, um, in my memory longer than Elden Ring will, just be based on the evolved relationship between Kratos sure. and Atreus and how beautiful the game was and, and how the story just completely unfolded. How far how far into it are you, Steve? Can you without spoiling anything, can you hint around? Can yeah, because I I'm idea? not as far as you either. I'm in the epilogue. Oh, oh okay. wow, you're like tort yeah, okay, wow. Okay. So you are just about okay, got it. So you know some of the big twists that come along the way. Yeah. Okay. I mean, don't, pretty, don't pretty, say pretty much. Every, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've seen the credits. You know. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. You've seen the credits? Yeah. All the way through. All the way down. Yeah. Well, I thought you said you hadn't beaten the game. No, yet. I, I wanted to beat the game before tonight, which I did. Oh, Ooh, gotcha. gotcha. Well, but remember, Russ. Similar to the first game, the true ending isn't the first ending. That's right. Good to know. Very good to know. Yes, indeed. Yeah, I'm having a blast uh, playing that game. My number one pick for 2022 is probably not much of a surprise here mm. <laughs> but uh elden ring is my number one pick Knew for it. Shocker. <laughs> you, you know what's interesting about this particular game what is that Ross? And, and i mentioned this to you in particular steve is, is that this is a from software title that i Ended up picking up and playing to your point about how yeah. we saw like what a huge splash it was making at the beginning of the year. And we're like, okay, well, we clearly have to cover this because this is something <laughs> special. But I, I was initially 
avoiding from software titles on purpose after I beat Sekiro Shadows Die twice, simply because I was about to have a heart attack by the time I beat that game, because the game was like just so unrelenting and insane and difficult and oh my gosh, it's just, but also that was one of my favorite games of the year when that game came out. But I was just like, man, I think I lost a couple of years of my life after I got through that game. <laughs> so I was thinking, okay, I'm good. Like I had like my From Software experience. I made it all the way through a game. I'm good. Enter Elden Ring. And Elden Ring has a very rare secret sauce to it that you alluded to, which is the game is designed around making you feel worthless you know, they call everybody the tarnished, right? This is a game that really is punishing. Like it, it really does punish you. It wants to beat you down and build you back up in the way that, that they want you to play their game. It was no different than Shadows Die Twice. They did the exact same thing. But what was interesting was that this was an open world RPG, well, action RPG that they created and they perfected in their game design the ability to just absolutely be that merciless punishment, but yet not cause gamers to give up and throw away the controller and be like, I'm never going to play this game again. Instead, we all felt compelled, spurred on even, to give it another try. Give it another try. Give it another try. And you can tell that they took some of their cues from games like Zelda Breath of the Wild, where you know, they had, they, that was like one of the, the first games, if not the first open world game that you can play where you could literally go anywhere you wanted to go in that game. And like, if you wanted to get to the last boss in that game, you could do so. You would be destroyed because you weren't leveled up or whatever, but you could do so if you wanted. And so you can tell that they use that as inspiration for Elden Ring and they have built upon it in this next gen environment. I also love the idea that you can create your own character and, and these heroes that you have, um, I can't remember how many different, like six, was it, I was going to say eight, but maybe it's eight. They have a, a number of, of these different classes that you can choose from. You start out with your, your abilities that you can um, assign points to initially, and then you make your way through it. The scope of this game, and we have talked about this ad nauseum, but I cannot get over the fact that this game is one of the most freaking ginormously huge games I've ever played. Like, I can't tell you how many times I'm th I thought to myself whenever like an, uh, another portion of the map got expanded or, or revealed, I was like, oh, okay, this is probably as big as it's going to get or whatever. And yet there was like another region that was revealed and another region. And oh, by the way, there's a whole underground part of the map too that covered, I would say like two thirds of the up, up above the ground map. So like there was an, there was a metric ton of discovery and exploration that they wanted you to go through. And not only that, but they were very successful in it's, it's the subtlety and the nuances of how they get you interested in checking out what's over that ridge just over there. Oh, when you get to that ridge, hey, what's that shiny thing over there? Oh, once you get there, well, well who are those characters? And you know, maybe I should interact with that. The idea that they organically encourage you as a gamer to go and reward you for that search and discovery is something that is a very rare thing indeed when it comes to games. And it's something that is not easy to whip up in game design, but they have done it. And I am absolutely floored. You talk, Steve, about how 
the graphics were, were beautiful and they are. I mean, like they, they have breathtaking visuals and they have such a huge variety of visuals. I can't, I can't believe like how I would get to, you know, say for instance, like you're in kind of a green foresty area and then you'd have um, like the giants area with like, it's all like snow capped mountains and whatnot. But then you get to the volcano manor and they'd have all the liquid magma and like the, the jagged rocks and whatnot. But then you'd go over to like the, I can't remember what it's called. What was the the uh, the wizards like academy or whatever that was in the, the right. swamp? Yeah. Essentially, like you had so many different vistas and locales to go and check out, and, and it was I don't know, like I got lost. I got so blissfully lost in this world. The immersive factor was so high, and I mean, when I think about how much time we put in the game, I mean. I pl- I probably put like the first six months of the year into playing that game. Like I have hundreds of hours. I may have even broken a thousand hours on that game just from one playthrough because I wanted to search for anything and everything. And so um, as a result, I mean, it, it's, I, I don't necessarily say it was an easy choice for me just because there were other games like God of War Ragnarok and Horizon Zero, uh, excuse me, Horizon Forbidden West that came out. And those are all heavy hitters. You know, like I was like, oh my goodness, like this is really nice to have the selection of, but buying away from software did it. I, I was, I was, abs- I, I was not expecting to have the experience I had. And I think that also is what really carried me over the finish line. Hmm. Well then, very cool, indeed. In Didi Rudy, I think uh, unfortunately we are out of time. But these, th- this particular episode, and you know, just around this time of year is always really fun for us. I would say because it gives us the opportunity to reflect mm. on uh, all kinds of great titles that the came good times, out. Russ. And I love, I love hearing from folks like Bradley who can introduce even more titles into the cerebral cortex so that I can go and check those out as well. It's always a lot of fun. It's but, what I'm here for. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you for joining us, Bradley. Thanks and, for uh, having me. Absolutely. That wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm where you can enjoy exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention it continues financially helping us continue doing the podcast. Also, you can, um, what are we doing after that? We can, we can twitch. We could twitch. But before we twitch, we could actually invite you all to do a search for at joygasm TV on your favorite social media platform of choice. And like Steve said, you could also do a search for at Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We look forward to hanging out with you all again next week when we talk about our top five favorite movies of 2022. We'll see you then.